You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Well, welcome this morning. Good to see everybody. Good to good to have you here. Thanks for coming out today. It's a, a great a great day to be here. It's good to be back. And I had uh, just a weekend off last week and got a chance to get away for a little bit. So appreciate everybody uh, letting us do that. Appreciate uh uh, my father was here speaking last week. I'm going to tell some really, you know, embarrassing stories about him this week just to make up for, you know, what he shared last week. Uh, that was great. Appreciate that. Always nice to know that your dad's going to reveal things about when you were eight. That's great. Um, so we're going to continue our series called God is Here Today. And uh, this is our, uh, we're doing a series. If you're, if you're a guest with us, no worries. I'll catch you up. Uh, we're doing a series on the tabernacle. And uh, that's sort of this dwelling place that, uh, like a temple that God commanded the Israelites to build, and uh, essentially it's a big rectangle. So here you go. That's what it is. It's a big rectangle, and those dots kind of represent the outer portion of it. If you remember, there was a gate in, and there was three separate rooms. It's basically what it is. So the first room is the outer courtyard, then you've got the holy place, and then you've got the holy of holies. So three rooms, and there are six elements within them. You've got the altar burnt offerings, and then the laver, which is sort of the wash basin, and then you go into the next room, and there's a, uh, a table with bread on it. There's a menorah, uh, a lampstand kind of thing. And then there's an altar of incense. And then you go, there was a curtain. And through the curtain, there was the Ark of the Covenant in there. So you had a gate in, then a door, and then a curtain. And uh, that's really the, the essence of what this was. And uh, three rooms, six elements. Exodus 25.8, God said, Have the people of Israel built me a holy sanctuary. So I can live among them. And that's what the tabernacle really was. God said, hey, build me a house. He said, I'm tired of being separate from you. I want to live among you. I'll put it right in the middle of the camp. So they were tent people. They were, they were you know, out tenting. Anybody like tents? Nope. Yeah, one. See, exactly. Two. Yeah, see, three. Yeah, exactly. There's a reason nobody likes tents. Tents are terrible. Right? There's just like bugs and it's, you're laying on the ground. And this is great. No, it's not. It's just... No, it just, we've made progress. We've made progress. Walls, air conditioning, these are nice things. Glamping, like I'm okay with glamping. I think that's like I'll stay at the hotel near the the, the forest. You know, that's that's okay. Um, So, but basically they were tenting all around and God said, so make me a tent. So they built this one rectangular tent and they put it in the middle and it's mostly skins and wood structure to kind of create these walls and uh, it was portable. They would move it around whenever they would move and get their tents up and go on a journey. They'd carry the tabernacle with them and reset it up. And that way God could always live among them. It was his home. God said, I want to live in the middle of you. And so we've really been trying to explore what does that tabernacle reveal about God? Because, again, your house tells me something about you. If I walked in right now, I'd know the condition of your house right now. How many want me to walk in your front door right now? Like, what was it like leaving the house? Some of you are like, OK, yeah, you're proud of yourself. You're like, yeah, yeah, come to my house right now. Come on. I feel good. All right. I, I, I we did the dishes. It's OK. Some of you, um, you know, haven't touched the dishes in three days and there's, you know, syrup sitting somewhere. And, uh, you know, it's OK. Hey, listen, that's life. Right, but your house tells me something about you, not just the condition of it, but also like what you put on the walls and how you if you put anything on the walls. Some of you are like minimalist. You're like nothing on the walls. You know, some people, you know, the people that don't like trees, you know, so like their property has no trees so that they don't have to rake any leaves. Right. Tells me something about them. Tells me a lot about them. You know, when you drive to the beach, people's got rocks. I don't even want to mow. I just got rocks. 
you know, no grass. Tells me something about you. So God's house tells us a lot about him. So we've been examining each and every week. What does it mean? So week one, we looked at that first room, that outer courtroom. Right. That was week one. We said, OK, let's look at this outer courtyard. What does it mean? And everybody gets access to the outer courtyards. Right. Everybody can come in. Then says, uh, you know, you go in through the gate and uh, there's this sense there that um, you know, Psalm 100 says we enter the courts with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. We go through the gates. We enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and enter his courts with praise. We go in. So everybody gets to go in. We praise and that gets us in. It's for everybody. It's open. Right? You've never been more home than when you're in God's presence. Right? That's what we learned week one. Then week two, we moved to the, to the, that altar first about sacrifice. That was costly. Right? There was a lot of animals killed, you know, because people messed up. And we talked about that, right? And we talked about that was a very costly thing, but then Jesus says, I am the sacrifice. No longer do we have to bring a, a sheep or a goat to church. Thank God, right? That would be loud. It'd be smelly. It'd be messy. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be, a, not a pretty scene. Um, so no longer, now it says, I get to continually offer a sacrifice of praise. Right? Again, it's all about praise. This was, this was the center of worship. This is Jesus at the center of worship. Right? No longer are we offering, offering sacrifices. Then last week, my father talked about the labor, the wash basin, right? That after they did all those sacrifices, they're probably pretty gross. Yesterday, I was doing a lot of sanding. We're, I don't know why I'm repainting my kitchen cabinets. It's the worst thing in the world. Don't ever do it, but I'm doing it. And so I was sanding for hours and hours and hours, and I was covered in sawdust. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's in every crevice, right? Every cavity. It was terrible. I'm like, I've got to take a shower. Right? I need to wash off. And that's what happens after doing all this, all the sacrifices, right? You've got to wash off. And, and last week we talked about how you, how do you stay clean in a dirty world? You wash often. Right, you just keep you keep washing. You keep coming back continually, going to wash. Right? And we talked about what that means. That Jesus says, "I, I, I wash you. Right? I wash you. I make you. I make you. Though your sins are like scarlet, I make you. I make you white as snow. You're clean. We come to Him. He washes us. He wipe, wipe, washes off the grime of life. And now, now we get to come to the next room, the holy place. We're moving on up. So we're going to leave that outer courtyard. We're going through the door now. There's a big door. You're walking through that doorway into. If you imagine, if you will, we're now walking through. We've walked past. So you see an altar like a big barbecue, right? We walk past the barbecue, walk past the, the, the wash basin, this big thing you know, where you cleaned up. And now there's a door. We're going to open the door. We're going to walk into that next room, right? That's where we are. This is the holy place. Now, here's the first thing you need to know about the holy place. It was not accessible to everyone, right? This was priests only. Think of it as like the green room. Right when when like this is when you know just before you're going in you know like on 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 the show right this is this is the the, the waiting room right special stuff there's like you know mini bar and there's like some you know M and M's but no no was it no yellow M and M's right there was no no brown M and M's in the bowl no brown M and M's in the bowl right so all that kind of stuff this was the green room this is that waiting area to get into the the holy of holies so this was priests only you needed a card to get in here you needed VIP access right you could, not just anybody could walk in. This was exclusive. Right? Priests were special people, set apart by God. He said, listen, these are designated priests. I will, I will set this group of people aside. They're special, and they get to go in there. I'll read about it in Exodus chapter 28. It'll be on the screen. And God tells Moses this. He says, call for your brother Aaron. Remember Moses and Aaron. Aaron's the one who Moses is like, I want to talk. So Aaron talks for him, you know, Pharaoh, all that kind of stuff. So Moses' brother Aaron 
And his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, I have no idea, set them apart from the rest of the people of Israel so they may minister to me and be my priests. He says, your brother, his family, they're going to be priests. So God picks the family, that family, their lineage, they're my priests. Next verse. Make sacred garments for Aaron that are glorious and beautiful. How many of you are wearing things that are glorious and beautiful this morning? Right? Some of you, I don't know, some of you may not feel like you're glorious and beautiful. Some of you are like, listen, I feel pretty glorious and beautiful with what I'm wearing. Um, yeah, I will, I'm not going to judge. Okay. Instruct all the skilled craftsmen whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom. Have them make garments for Aaron that will distinguish him as a priest set apart. So there is priestly clothing line. Right? You've got big and tall, right? You've got juniors, right? Petite, right? Right? You've got all these different sizes. Well, they had like priest section, right? So you walk into Target and there's the thing up there, the priestly section. Okay, so let's see what the, you know, what's the, what's the priestly section look like? And, and it tells us, verse 4, these are the garments they are to make. This is what you'd find in a priestly section. You'd find a chess piece. And then ephod, I mean, seriously, ephods, right? I mean, who doesn't have a good ephod, right? And a, a robe, we'll get into what that is. It was sort of like a, sort of like a vest that they would wear, kind of like a rope tied around on top. Um, sort of like, I don't even know, like just like a little square kind of thing. And it had stuff decorated on it. Um, actually, it had a lot of jewels on it. It says, uh, an ephod, a robe, a patterned tunic, a turban on his head, and a sash, uh, they are to make these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his sons to wear. When they so priests, not everybody looks like that. Just so you know, this was said this was priest only, right? They're wearing ephods. I don't know if everybody else is wearing ephods. I don't think so. Uh, but that was what the priests were wearing. Verse five. So give them linen cloth, fine linen cloth. So this was nice stuff. Again, they're feeling pretty, pretty, pretty fly, right? So give them fine linen cloth, gold thread. Blue, purple, and scarlet colors. So when you think of priests, don't think of like monotone like me right today, black, right? No, they were in colorful, brilliant colors, lots of layers, right? Sashes and turbans. I mean, they are totally decked out. When they walked down, everybody knew, that's a priest. Everybody understood, right? It's like when somebody walks in wearing like a tuxedo or, or like a ball gown, right? You're like, okay, that's something a little different. That's not jeans and a t-shirt. They were, listen, for the next 40 verses, it will talk about their clothes. Talk about clothes making the man. I mean, seriously, serious fashion. Their clothes set them apart. But not only that, we're going to get to Exodus 29. It's going to be on the screen as well. It says, this is the ceremony. Here we go, Exodus 29, verse 1. It says, this is the ceremony you must follow when you consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. So now not only do they have to wear this, but this is, what ha- this is, the, this is the pomp and circumstance we're going to go through to clarify in front of everybody that these are special people. Right? Take a young bull and two rams with no defects. You know where this is going. <laughs> then using wheat flour and no yeast, make loaves of bread. Thin cakes mixed with olive oil. Wafers spread with oil. Keeps going. Place them all in a single basket and present them at the entrance of the tabernacle, along with the young bull and the two rams. Present Aaron and his sons at the entrance of the tabernacle and wash them with water so now they're clean. Verse 5, dress Aaron in his priestly garments. So in front of everybody, let's put on a fashion show. Let's dress them now. 
Okay? Put on the tunic, the robe worn with the ephod over top of it. The ephod itself put that on. And the chest piece then wrapped the decorative sash of the ephod around him. Placed the turban on his head and fastened the sacred medallion to the turban. I mean, are you understanding? This is like high fashion. Then anoint him by pouring anointing oil over his head. So now he's all dressed. Now you put this holy oil on his head. It's probably olive oil, but they're just putting it all on. I don't know if it was extra virgin or not, but... Probably smell good. Next, present his sons and dress them in it. Do the whole thing again with all the sons. Right? The whole process. Wrap the sashes around the waists of Aaron and his sons and put their special head coverings on them. Listen to this. Then the right to the priesthood will be theirs by law forever. In this way, you will ordain Aaron and his sons. God's making it pretty clear. These people are special. Set apart. Right? I've been ordained. I did not get an ephod. I didn't get a turban. I didn't get a tunic. I did get a blue satin mantle. I didn't bring it today. I was thinking about bringing it. I just I forgot. I just got a blue satin. Um, they call it a sole. Uh, like, and it's sort of just like a big long uh, scarf kind of thing, but it's made of satin and it's blue and white. It has my initials on the back, and it's really cool. It's awesome. And they placed that on me when I was ordained. So it was symbolic, but I was like, seriously? Just a stole? And so I don't get, where's all the other stuff? I want my ephod, right? So that's all it was. But God is clearly setting aside the people. It's about the dedication of the priests. It's, God is showing the world these people are set apart. They're special. They have to be perfect. And listen, you had to do this according to the law. And it wasn't just anybody that could be a priest, right? It was this family, ordained by law, priests forever. That family, Aaron's descendants, they're commonly known as the Levites. And that room, when we go into that middle room, priests only. And it wasn't like, you're not going to sneak in because everybody knows who's a priest and who's not a priest based on what they're wearing, based on what family they're from. Do we understand, right? Can I just say this morning, there are some places you can't go. Right? There are some places you can't go because of the family that you're in or not in. Right? You can't just walk in somebody else's house. You don't belong here. You're not part of our family. Like, what if a stranger just walked in your door? You'd be like, what are you doing? You don't, you don't belong here. I'm going to call the cops. Get out right now, right? You might not be the right family. Perhaps you don't look right. You don't have the right look. You can't be here. You don't, you don't look like us. Maybe you don't have the right title. Maybe you don't have the right qualifications, the right training. Listen, you know it and everybody else knows it. There are places you don't belong. There are places you can't go. Places I can't go. I worked at the King of Prussia Mall when I was in college. I worked at Lens Crafters. It was, a, it was great. If you've ever been to the King of Prussia Mall, they got like two sides of the mall. There's like the normal mall and then there's like the, you know, that side of the mall. It's like Armani, Brooks Brothers. Hugo Boss, you know, Forever 21, you know, all those places I don't belong. Like, I'm, I'm walking up like as a college kid and there's a guy standing at the door like this with a suit on. I mean, immaculate. And I walk up and he's like, yes, can I help you? I'm like, no, I'm going to keep walking. I'm, I got the message. I do not belong in Brooks Brothers. I do not have a wallet that enables me to even step in the store. You know, if you go, like, you want to go. Check out, like, you know, go to the, I don't know, Lamborghini, you know, 
They don't just hand the keys over and be like, hey, no, no, you don't belong here. Right? You've got to sign off things. Listen, Cinnabon, they're like, hey, like that's my people. That's my people, right? Like I walk in, they know me. I've been getting text messages all week from Taco Rito. And I don't mean the general ones, from the owner. He's like, hey, we just opened a dessert bar. You should come have some rolled ice cream. We did. We took the entire family. But like, like they know me. I belong at Taco Rito, right? I don't get, I don't, you know, rats. You ever been to rats? Yeah, they don't, they don't text me. I don't know. Yeah, I've been, you know, I don't get those. There are places I don't belong. In Numbers chapter 18, God talks to the priests and he says this, but you and your sons, the priests, must personally handle all the priestly rituals associated with the altar, with everything under, behind the inner curtain. I'm giving you the priesthood as a special privilege. Any unauthorized person who comes too near the sanctuary will be put to death. Priests only. There are some places regular people don't belong. God wanted a relationship with his people, but said, listen, only, only certain people can get close. Because it's going to take a lot to qualify them, to set them apart. They have to go through all this training. They've got to be ordained. They've got to wash. They've got to wear this. They've got to do everything right just to walk in my presence. It's not enough for everybody. So to keep people safe while still being close, he says, listen, priests are going to be the solution. The relationship between the people and God was dependent on the priests. They weren't able to move forward in that tabernacle without priests. And that's where it got messy. Because if the priests did it right, everything was well. But if the priests blow it, hmm, it was an enormous task. Would you like to guess what happened? Anybody want to take a, want to take a wild guess? Here, I'll, just, I'll help you out here. Ezekiel chapter 22. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here. This is God talking. Your priests have violated my instructions and defiled my holy things. They make no distinction between what is holy and what is not. Set apart people, remember? Turbans are doing all yeah, Nope. They do not teach people the difference between what is ceremonially clean and unclean. They disregard my Sabbath day so that I am dishonored among them. Jeremiah, from the least to the greatest, their lives are ruled by greed. From prophets to priests, they are all frauds. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurance of peace when there is no peace. And are they ashamed of their actions? No, they don't even know how to blush, God says. Later in Jeremiah, the prophets and priests are ungodly, wicked men. I have seen their despicable acts right here in my own temple. They're doing it in the house. Not only are they just living out these lives, are they right here in the tabernacle, these guys are blowing it. Isaiah, Israel is led by drunks who reel with wine and stagger with alcohol. The priests and prophets stagger and lose themselves. They reel as they render decisions. Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you, saying there is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. You make vows and you break them. You kill, steal, and commit adultery. There is violence everywhere, one murder after another. And listen to this. Don't point your finger at someone else to try and pass the blame. My complaint, you priests, is with you. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. It's because you priests refuse to know me, he says. So I refuse to recognize you now as my priests. He says the more priests there are, the more sin the more they sin against me, they have exchanged the glory of God for the shame of idols. 
When the people bring their sin offerings, the priests get fed. So the priests are glad when people sin because they get to eat more. And he ends with this, and what the priests do, the people also do. Oh, that's pretty ugly. See, God reminded the priests here, this is not why I set you apart. We read this in Malachi chapter 2. God says, the purpose of my covenant with the Levites was to bring life and peace. And that is what I gave them. That was the purpose. That's why I set you apart. Required reverence from you. And you greatly revered me and stood of awe of my name. So as they passed on to the people the truth of the instructions they received from me. They didn't lie or cheat. They walked with me living good and righteous lives. They turned many from the lives of sin. Listen, the words of a priest's lips should preserve knowledge of God. And people should go to him for instruction. For the priest is the messenger of the Lord of heaven's armies. You are set apart. You are special. You've got a sacred responsibility. You lead the way for the, for the people. That's what God is saying here. And then he says this, But you priests have left God's paths. Your instructions have caused many to stumble into sin. You have corrupted the covenant I made with my people. So the Lord of heaven's armies. Can you imagine if your relationship with God, if the ability to receive His blessings, if your forgiveness, if your understanding, if favor, if everything that comes from God was dependent on a priest like that, what would life look like for you if everything was completely dependent on a corrupt priest? Throughout history, people have grown far from God because people claiming to be close to Him were actually corrupt. Over and over and over again. So you've got tabernacle, holy place, priests only, but they're corrupt. So now what? What do the people do? I, I'm trying to know God. I want to know God, but the people that are supposed to provide me the opportunity to know God, to go before me, guess what? They've royally blown it. So what? This is where it gets good. Don't worry, it's going to turn. Ready? Here we go. answer is this. It's Jesus. So Jesus. So Jesus. Hebrews 7.16 Jesus became a priest. Not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi. Not by what he wore. Right? Not by putting on all these things. But listen to this. By the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. Jesus is not a priest because of what he wore or a ceremony. He became a priest because of what he accomplished. There were many priests under the old system, Hebrews tells us, for death prevented them from... There was priest after priest after priest. And you can read throughout Scripture. Some of them were good. Some of them were rotten. Some of them honored God. Some of them were kind of like just... They were like, listen, people bring sacrifice, put it in the pot, right? You're supposed to burn it up. The priest would stick a fork in, pull it out, and people would be like, hey, that's supposed to be my offering. They're like, yeah, but it tastes better if I take it out now. Yeah, but like that's not okay according to God. I don't really care. I'm hungry. You find some really corrupt priests. You find some good ones, but they kept coming one after another. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. 
The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. Hebrews 7.28 But after the law was given, God appointed His Son with an oath, and His Son has been made the perfect high priest forever. See, the tabernacle is showing us we need a priest, and Jesus said, I'll be that. I'll be that. See, He walked into the holy place, took on the role of our priest. He is the only priest that is followable. You can't follow other priests, but you can follow Jesus. He's incorruptible. He's never greedy, never lazy, never self-serving. He did everything priests are supposed to do. He helped us have a relationship with God. But listen here, that's not all He did. See, when He walked through the door into the holy place, Jesus did something really astounding. You want to talk about astounding. This is what He did. He walked into that holy place, and then He turned around, and He looked at you and me, and He said, Hey, I'm going to invite you in. I want to invite you into the holy place. And he didn't invite us in as special guests or friends or, you know, like you get a special dispensation. You know, like, like I've, I've played at a couple of private country clubs, right? Not because, I, because somebody I know is a member. And they say, hey, how are you here today? Well, I'm playing with so-and-so. I'm a guest. Oh, okay, you're allowed. I'm allowed to be there, but I don't belong there, right? Like, I got in. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying, hey, come in because you know me. Revelations 1.5 All glory to Him who loves us has freed us from our sins by shedding His blood for us to Jesus. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God His Father. First Peter says, And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more, you are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. When you bring that sacrifice of praise, you become a priest. When you bring praise to God, you become a priest. He says it here, you are a chosen people, royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Listen, Jesus not only said, I'm going to be your priest, He said, and I'm going to authorize you as priests too. When you praise me, when you praise God, when you offer God praise with your lips, you become a priest. Whatever title you have, maybe you're, like I got reverend, maybe some of you are doctor or teacher or captain, right, sergeant. I don't know what your title is, right, if you have a, a title of like a, a therapist title or whatever it is your qualifications are. I'm just going to let you know now. I'm going to give you a gift. Ready? You can add the title priest, royal priest of God. Right? That's, you can add the title to whatever business card you have. Right? So if you have a business card or your LinkedIn account, right, or you can just list. Uh, one of my titles is royal priest of God. Listen. It's funny, but I'm serious. You're a royal priest of God. Do we know that? What does that even mean? What does it even mean that you are royal priests? Well, the first thing it means is this. It means you belong in the presence of God. You don't just get to go in that holy place. It means you belong in that holy place. 
You are not just a guest in God's presence. This is where you find your tribe, your family, your acceptance, your place of belonging. When you are in the presence of God, you belong there. Something inside you goes, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm created to be here in the presence of God. You are meant to be in His presence. It shouldn't scare you. It shouldn't intimidate you. It shouldn't worry you. It shouldn't just like confuse you. No, you belong in the presence of God. The presence of God is home. You belong there. And since you belong in the presence of God, not only does it give you a place of belonging, but being a priest also makes you, you ready, a leader. It makes you a leader. The priests always led the way for Israel. Praise always goes first. It leads the way. They go into battle, they send the priests in front. Well, wouldn't you think you send the soldiers in front? No, they sent the priests in front singing and praising God. You read the stories throughout Scripture, Jericho, other cities. This is the priests just led the way for the people, circling a city. Guess what happened? Walls fall down. Priests led the way. They led the way in battle. In times of peace, priests would lead the way. In times of war, priests would lead the way. In times of grief, in times of celebration, priests Praise would lead the way. Isaiah speaks about Jesus the priest and all who would follow him in this way. It's a probably a familiar passage, some of it. Jesus quoted it eventually. When he became priest, he said this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. As you hear this, think this is what priests do. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Now you begin to hear God is clothing you with different things. To crown beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment Right here comes the garment, the garment of praise. Instead of a spirit of despair, God puts on holy clothes to the priests. It's just a garment of praise now. No longer are you wearing these fancy things on the outside. Now I'm going to put a song in your heart. I love this. You're going to know why. My priests, they will be called oaks of righteousness. Hmm. A planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Listen, and you, he ends verse 6, you will be called priests of the Lord. And you'll be ministers of your God. This is what priests do. I make you oaks of righteousness. You lead the way. You lead the way. You belong leading the way into everything good that is found in God's presence. That's what you are. The tabernacle is revealing we need a priest to lead us into God's presence. Jesus said, I am the priest, and not only am I going to be the perfect priest, I'm going to now deputize you all. You are now ordained as royal priests of God. You belong here. So here's the th- one more thing. I know I'm giving you a lot. but If you're a priest... There's one more reality here. Not only do you belong in the presence of God, not only are you a leader, but if you're a priest of God, 
then there are places that you don't belong. There are places you don't belong. You don't belong at the back following the crowd. You don't belong in the back. I'm not talking about seats, don't worry. I know, life tree, come early for a good back seat. I get it. That's how it works. Listen, today these front rows are filled. I'm not going to know what to do. I'm going to be like backing up. It's going to be weird. Um, You don't belong at the back. You don't belong among the silent. I've given you a garment of praise. You don't belong among the silent. Afraid of what others might think. You don't belong on the couch being lazy. You don't belong hiding in the dark, running from God. You don't belong to this world. You don't belong in a temple of some other God somewhere worshiping something else that's not true. You don't belong there. You are a royal priest of God and you belong to Jesus. You are royalty and you belong in His presence. Today, I've got a silly little token for everybody. Um, On your way out, you're all going to get like a little jewel. It's a, these are real. So, got them on Amazon. Um, so that ephod that I was talking about, on that ephod, it would be like this piece of fabric. There, I think we have a picture of it. I don't know if we have a picture of it or not. Um, the priest wore this ephod. There it is. It's sort of like this thing. You can see it's like tied around the side, tied up. But there were 12 jewels on it. You can study this. Twelve different jewels. Each one represented a different tribe of Israel. One for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. This, is, this represented the nation. It reminded them that they were never in God's presence alone. That they belonged to a family. That they stood with that family in the presence of God. That when they walked in there, they did not walk in there just for themselves, but they represented a nation, a people. I'm going to give you a little jewel. Just, again, very expensive. You can put it on a ring if you'd like. It's nice. Um, I want to encourage you to carry it all week. There's a reminder right, that what you wear is a reminder. Right, as you have it on, just that, put it in your pocket or in your purse or something. Every time you look at it, remember, you are a royal priest. You're a royal priest. You're never alone in the presence of God. That when you walk in, you represent others. You stand with the family of God. So it's a reminder to you, but it's, but it's not just a reminder, because I'm also going to give you a challenge. See, because as a priest, no matter where you are, yes, you belong in God's presence, but you are also a leader. So I'm going to challenge you this. Throughout your day, whether you're home, work, shop right, driving in your car, with your friends, sitting on the beach. Would you just take it out and ask yourself this question? How can I lead the way into God's presence? For my family, how can I lead the way into God's presence? Because priests go first. If I'm a priest, it means I go first. So how do I lead the way for my family here and now into God's presence? How do I lead the way at work into God's presence? How do I lead the way with my friends into God's presence in my community? How do I lead the way? It may look like 
gathering your family together before the day begins and say, okay, guys, we're just, we got something going on. We're just going to pray today. Let's just pray together. Let's just gather together. I'm going to lead the way and go into God's presence. We're just going to pray. Perhaps at work. It might be a little different. It may mean, you know, saying to somebody, hey, we're in a room. You're talking about something. There's clearly a violation of your values. Nobody else seems like they want to speak up about it. I'm going to lead the way into the presence of God here. We can't do this. That's not who we are. I'm going to lead the way in the presence of God. It doesn't always mean just praying. It's not like a spiritual thing. Sometimes it's just doing what's right. Priests are the ones that held the nation accountable. This is not rights. Perhaps you're with a friend and you're talking. You go, you know, I'm going to lead the way for you here in the presence of God. You don't say it like that. You know, I'm going to lead the way for you. But maybe you say something like, hey, I think you need to forgive that person. It's going to try and lead you into God's presence because you're struggling right now. And I know there's something in the way of you, God, and it's forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you, I think you need to forgive them. I don't know what it is, but wherever you go this week, carry this little thing and remind yourself. Wow, that's power. Remind yourself. I'm a royal priest. And I lead the way into the presence of God. So how can I do that here and now? The Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger, said the task of the leader is to get people from where they are to where they have not been. How do you lead people into the presence of God? The presence of God changes everything. And it's always for good. Every time you're in the presence of God, it's always for good. What would change if you could lead your family into the true presence of God one time this week? What would change if you actually led your family into this very presence of God even once this week? How would your life be different? In there, in your programs, you also have a little card, hopefully. In that card, if you want to take it all out right now, in your program, you should see a little, little index card. Is there a card in there? There's no card in there? Yes, okay, most of you have the cards. Okay, some of you might have fallen out. All right, hopefully you have a, if you didn't get a card, they'll be on the uh, X-Factor table in the back. The card says this, I am chosen by God. I want you to read it with me. Let's read it with you. If you have the cards out, read it with me if you have one. I am chosen by God, a royal priest, a part of God's holy nation, and I am God's very own possession. I can show others the goodness of God. For he has called me out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. I'm going to invite on up Claire and Kyle. We're going to close in just a moment. To summarize this morning, God wanted a relationship with us. God wanted a relationship with us. The tabernacle was his way. I'm going to live, make my home among you. So I will give special people access to God. And those people made a mess of it. So he sent Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm going to show you how this is supposed to work. I'm going to usher you into the presence of God. And not only that, I'm now going to invite you to come into the presence of God with me. He declared us all special people. We're all VIPs. We belong. And now we have the privilege of leading others into the presence of God as well. Thanks for listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit us at wearelifetree.com or on Facebook and Instagram at wearelifetree.